entire series, a wonderful, wonderful concept of the 19 weeks of blessing, the 19 blessings of Shemona Esrei, which we live by, literally live by. And um, we're going to be having some wonderful speakers from around the world, around the country, around the world, who will be presenting on their bracha, so to speak. And we're going to have a chance as a community to really focus on the Shemona Esrei, on the 18, 19 benedictions and 19 brachas, and to strengthen ourselves in, in davening. So first of all, tonight's uh, opening session is uh, dedicated by Judy and Michael Garber in memory of Judy's mother, Shana Bas Yehuda Aryeleib, uh, on the occasion of her yard site. And so we, uh, we appreciate that very much, and may her memory be a bracha for the entire uh, family. So what's the goal? What's the purpose? What's the goal of this series? What are we trying to accomplish? So I would say there are several goals here. And you probably relate to many of them. You probably can very much identify with, with, with many of them. What we want to do is actually transform our experience of davening from one thing to another. So the first thing that we want to make sure that we transform our davening from is we want to transform it from rote, from, you know, something that's done habitually, something that's done uh, because we uh, we're used to doing it, because we did it this morning, because we did it yesterday. So we want to transform it from rote. What would be the alternative to rote? What do we want to transform it from? If it's not going to be rote, what would be the, the, the best alternative to that? I would say uh, we want to go from rote to engagement, meaning that imagine if you're actually engaged in a conversation, there's no rote to it at all, right? The only time you're uh, you're involved, you're doing rote, is when you're not not involved with the other person. I'll give you an example of rote. We all experienced it. Uh, the whole country experienced it. Uh, the so-called debates. In the good old days, a debate used to be that you would say something, and then I would. The respond sound to is breaking it. up. Um. You would say something, I would respond to what you said, and then you would hear what I said, and then you would respond to what I said. And that would mean we were engaged in a discussion with each other, perhaps a debate, but we were engaged. Uh, Now, what we see is that each candidate comes into the so-called debate ready to say whatever they're going to say. They're not even engaged with the questioner. The questioner asks a question about daytime and they give an answer about nighttime because that's what they want to say. They're not engaged. Right? So the opposite of engagement when it would come to dominating would be that we're not really talking to God. We're not engaged with Hashem. And that's where rote comes in, right? Where we're just, we are, we're simply um, doing what we have to do. So we want to transform from rote to engagement. We want to actually be engaged with HaKadosh Baruch Hu when we daven. Uh, another way of saying, another goal, so to speak, would be to transform davening from an obligation to a relationship. And let me be clear about this. Davening is an obligation. It's a chova. We're obligated to daven. Um, and therefore, we, uh, uh, we, we don't have a choice about it. But when you relate to something as an obligation, then it's a burden. It's something you have to do. I can't not do because 
I better not because I'll be in trouble or because I have a promise or because Hashem will be angry at me or because I'll be, I don't want to be a violator of Jewish law. I want to do everything right. That's obligation. The alternative to that is relationship, which is that I'm actually talking to God because I want to talk to God because I actually, I don't want to use the word enjoy because that seems to trivialize it, but I actually see a reason for me as a creature to talk to my creator. So we want to transform uh, davening from an obligation to, to relationship. Or put it another way, we want to transform davening from a stale repetition of something, meaning I'm davening the same davening I davened yesterday and the same davening I davened the day before and the year before and so on and so forth, uh, to what? What, if it's not a repetition, what would it be? Well, it would be something new. It would be a creation. It would be something that I actually create now in the moment. So that would be a goal, to move from repetition to creation. Um, another possible way that you would relate to, to uh, I think, a worthy goal here would be, we want to turn davening from a vending machine where you go and you do what you have to do to get what you need and turn it into avoda, which is service, which is that I don't daven because I need, I actually daven because I serve. And the fact is that the word that Chazal use for davening is avoda, which means service. And that really turns the whole concept of prayer on its head. Because very often we think of prayer as that which you do in order to get what you need. God's in charge. He's got all the marbles. I need this marble or that marble or a lot of marbles. And I go to God. And if I do it right, I get what I need. And that's the sum total of the equation. That's it. Except that that's really not how, that's not what a voter is. A voter is service, which means if I didn't need anything, I would still daven as a service, as giving myself over in service to Hashem. So that would be, a, I think, a worthy goal of studying Shemona Esres, of studying this, this section of the Siddur known as the Avoda, known as um, the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, another way of saying the same thing, just I'm trying to find different ways that uh, perhaps uh, different people will relate to is that we want to transform davening from saying someone else's words because they are not our words. I didn't think of those words. I didn't write the sitter. I'm saying somebody else's words. It might be somebody very holy or a group of people, as we'll see, very holy. But I'm saying somebody else's words, and I want to make it my davening. I want to transform davening from someone else's words that I'm saying to actually making it my davening. So if we re- accomplished any of those goals, right, going from rote to engagement, obligation to relationship, from repetition to creation, uh, from a vending machine, that uh, a holy vending machine, to a voter to service, or from just reciting somebody else's words and actually making it my davening, making it my prayer, any of those things uh, would be wonderful. And the truth is, any of those things uh, is all of those things, because if any one of these things transformed, the rest of the, the rest of those items would take care of themselves. So, so let's let's get let's go on with it. Let's uh, let's move on to the to the first bracha. 
Now I'm tasked with elaborating on the first bracha of Shemona Esrei, and um, it's actually a big challenge because the first bracha of Shemona Esrei is not just um, the first bracha. It's actually, in a certain sense, it's the whole Shemona Esrei condensed into one, as we'll, as we'll see. And um, it's also evidently intended by Chazal, by the, by the sages, uh, to uh, to teach us and introduce us to davening itself. So first of all, a general introduction to to uh, what a Jew wants to do, what we need to do when we approach Hashem in davening. Okay, so number one, um, there are two aspects of proper focus that the mafarshim offer as uh, necessary for a person to daven. And this is based really on a close reading of the Rambam and how the Rambam describes in different places what a person is supposed to do when he, she is involved in, in davening. Uh, aspect number one is just to know what you're saying. Perish hamilos. Just knowing what you're saying. Now, in perish hamilos, in explaining the words, in, in actually translating the words, there are many, many levels. As a matter of fact, there's no quantifiable number of levels. There are so many levels. The davening is so profound that no matter how well you translate it, no matter how well you understand what the words are saying, there's more to understand. Partially because many of the words of davening are actually taken from the Torah. And therefore, the Torah, the words of Hashem, is so profound that there's no capacity that a human being has to fully fathom everything. Nevertheless, on a simple level, it is true that a person needs to know what he's saying. When a person davens, a person needs to know what he's saying. And one way we solve that problem is uh, when we don't know Lashon Kodesh, when we don't know the Holy Tongue, is uh, to daven with a sitter that has a translation. And before there were English translations, uh, for many of us of European descent, there were Yiddish translations. And uh, people from other continents had Sidurim with other translations. The point is that we want to know what we're saying. So that's the first thing. Second thing, second focus, second important um, uh, awareness that a person has to have besides what he, she is saying during the utterance of the words is knowing that you're standing in the presence of Hashem. That you're not just saying words and you're not just saying words that have meaning but you're actually standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, That you actually are aware that you are in the presence of the Shekhinah. I'll put it another way. By virtue of the fact that Hashem tells us that we are to daven, that we are to pray, Hashem is telling us that He's making Himself accessible to us. That means that when we properly enter into tefillah with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's a two-way street. It's not just that we davened but it's that God makes himself available to us. He actually allows his presence to be there, so to speak. I have to just say that his presence is not the same thing as him. I don't know what I mean when I said that, but I know that it's true. Meaning allowing God's presence to be somewhere doesn't, isn't the same thing as allowing God to be somewhere. God is everywhere. And God really isn't anywhere. He does not occupy space. He's beyond space. Um, and he doesn't allow himself to be anywhere, but he allows his Shekhinah, which is a manifestation of his existence, 
He allows that evidence of his presence to be available. And that's a real, that's a real um, occurrence. It's not just a concept. It's not just a thought. It's that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when you dive into me, I'm going to be listening. And that means that I'm actually going to be available. So we're in an audience with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So there's two things. Perish Amilos, as we said, expl- understanding the words, and number two, being aware that we're standing in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, uh, regarding this Perish Amilos, I, 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 I said before that there actually is uh, an unlimited number of levels that a person can understand davening. And that's because the, the words of the Shemona Esrei were put together and organized and arranged uh, by the Anshei Knesset Hagadola. They were 120 Zakenim, 120 huge Tamil Chachamim, men of Ruach HaKodesh. Among them were some Nevi'im. Some of them were Nevi'im, not all of them, but some of them were Nevi'im. A Navi is not just somebody who can tell the future. It's not somebody who receives communications from HaKadosh Baruch Hu once in a while or is told to transmit a message to Klai Yisrael. A Navi is, a, uh, is somebody who's achieved a certain spiritual state uh, where he is therefore worthy of receiving communications from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's, it's not really a, uh, it's not like, you know, you're elected to an office it's actually an accomplishment. It's a spiritual accomplishment. It's a, spirit, it's a level of spiritual refinement and progress and sophistication and purity that is uh, the highest level of accomplishment for a human being. There cannot be a greater accomplishment for a human being than being a Navi. So the Anshe Knesset Hagdola um, arranged and um, ordered the davening, which means that there's actually a sequence. And each of the brachos of Shemona Esrei comes in its position for a reason. It's like a lineup, Lahavzio. When a manager of a team uh, arranges a lineup, he has a reason why somebody is fourth and why somebody is fifth and why this game he moves the fifth, the, the person who was in fifth to seventh and so on and so forth. He has, uh, there's a rhyme and reason to the whole thing. Similarly, there's a reason that each of the blessings occurs in the order that they're in and uh, in the uh, in the earliness or the lateness of its appearance in the Shemona Esrei. We're not going to get into all that tonight, but it's important for us to know that when it comes to Parish Hamilos, there is no end to what a person can appreciate. And I want to address this for a minute because this is really, I think, part of the art of tefillah is to appreciate um, the the, the personal nature of tefillah, even without getting into what Chazal are teaching us through the words, just being aware that every human being who is offering a tefillah is offering a tefillah from a different perspective. Not only is he or she offering that tefillah from a different perspective than anybody else, but he is offering a tefillah from a different perspective than himself, because whoever davened shacharis isn't davening mincha, because a person's lived, a person's changed, a person's has different concerns, different challenges, different successes, different failures, different thoughts, different circumstances. And therefore, the davening itself changes because the person who is offering the davening is a different person or is certainly a person with different concerns and focuses. So 
that's on the simplest level. There is an individuality to davening. But on a much more profound level, uh, I'm, I'm summarizing a thought that the Nefesh HaChayim describes in Sha'ar Beis, for those of you who are familiar with Nefesh HaChayim or who have the Sefer or the translation, it's the second, uh, second Sha'ar, the second gate in Nefesh HaChayim, and it's in the uh, 13th chapter. And there the Nefesh HaChayim describes in very precise detail how the holy words of Chazal actually cause all kinds of rearrangement of heavenly pipelines and connections from the upper world to the lower world. And he says very explicitly that every single time a person davens, he is causing a different arrangement. He's creating different pathways for emanations from Hashem to the world. Every single time a person davens, separate and independent of any result that a person is davening for, just the act of davening. And he says that every single person has it does accomplishes different things in those upper worlds. So all that's going on when we're davening, and all that's included in Parish Hamilos. So it's a, it's it's a worthy undertaking to to know what we're saying. I would just practically speaking, a person who's not familiar with Lashon Kodesh, it's worth looking at the translation of a paragraph before one offers it so that when one offers it in Lashon Kodesh, that, in what we call Hebrew, that the person is actually um, uh, aware of, what, of what, what he or she is saying. So that's, uh, that's first of all, that's just an important, important, for, important point for us to realize. Now, let's turn to the first bracha of Shema Esrei. The first thing we have to appreciate is that before the first bracha, there is a part of Shman Esrei that's not part of Shman Esrei. And that is, we turn to Hashem as we're about to offer the avoda, the service that we're obligated to offer. And we say, Hashem Sfasai Tiftach, Ufi Hashem, open up my lips and let my mouth utter your praise. Now, that passage is actually problematic. It's problematic because the way that the sitter is constructed, we are supposed to enter into the Shemona Esrei out of a discussion about Hashem as the Redeemer of Klai Yisrael. Baruch Hashem Ka'al Yisrael. Blessed are you, Hashem, the one who redeemed Israel. That comes from the last paragraph of Shema, which is connected to, through a bracha bridge to Shemona Esrei. And you're not supposed to be mafsik ben geula litfila. You're not supposed to separate, interrupt uh, between the discussion of redemption and tefillah. There are reasons for that. We're not going to get into that right now, but it's supposed to be a smooth transition, one to the other. Geula leads immediately to tefillah. So then how in the world do we have a passage? It's obviously lifted from Tehillim, Hashem Svasai Tiftach, God, please open up my mouth. On my lips, and let my mouth utter your praise. How can we insert that? So the answer is, I mean, it may be fairly obvious, but it's worth um, uh, speaking out. And that is, first of all, what we're saying to Hakadosh Baruch Hu at this minute is, there is nothing about me that I come to on my own. Even when I come to you to ask you for things, I can't even ask you for anything until you give me the ability to ask. That's how. Deeply and profoundly, I recognize that I am now 
coming to you in tefillah. I don't have anything of my own. I have nothing. There's nothing about me. Even my ability to speak comes from you. If I, if you don't give it to me, I can't do it. If you don't give me permission to speak, if you don't give me the ability to speak, if you don't give me the thoughts to have, if you don't give me the interest in the relationship with you, if you don't give me that, I won't be able to utter a word. And therefore, I'm sitting here in your throne room, so to speak. I'm about to talk to you. And I'm now saying to you, Hashem, I need your help to present to you whatever it is that I'm obligated to, to present or whatever it is that I want to present to you, whatever it is that I want to offer you in praise, in service, uh, in, in subjugation, or whatever it is that I need to ask of you. All of that comes from you. Total humility. So the answer to my question, therefore, is the reason that we're able to go from Geula to Tefillah without an interruption is because this is not an interruption. It's actually what's necessary. It's actually what's needed for Tefillah, and therefore it is called, it's Sarah Tefillah, and therefore it is really part of the essence of davening, and therefore it's not an interruption. Okay. Now the first blessing, let's just read the words. Uh, we're not going to get into each phrase yet. We'll do that a little bit later. Let's just read the words in English. We all know, uh, I would say almost all of us, uh, know, know it by heart, but I just want to get present, so to speak, to what we're saying. So we say, Blessed are you, Hashem, our God and the God of our forefathers. So first, let's appreciate that this is the only bracha of the 19 that opens with Baruch. None of the others open with Baruch. This is the only one that does that. There's a reason for that. And that's because each bracha is designed to follow on the heels of the other, And we have a general rule that whenever brachas are established in a way that they follow as a train, one behind the other, uh, we don't begin the the second or the third or the fourth bracha with Baruch HaTashem. We're relying on the closing of the previous bracha. So uh, the second bracha of Shemona Esrei begins not with Baruch, it begins with HaTagibar, and that is a bracha right there. And it is relying on the close of the previous bracha, the first bracha, which is Baruch HaTashem, Magen Avraham. Now that's a general rule in brachas. But the opening bracha, Shemona Esrei, Baruch HaTashem, really is an opening baruch for the entire Shemona Esrei. So already we have a sense that this first bracha is an introduction for everything, because this is the baruch that's going to be the baruch for the whole Shemona Esrei, so to speak. So let's continue. Blessed are you, Hashem, our God and the God of our forefathers. Here we go. Immediately we're, we're talking about our ancestors. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the great, mighty, and awesome God, the supreme God, who bestows beneficial kindness and creates everything, who recalls the kindnesses of the patriarchs and brings a redeemer to their children's children, for his name's sake, with love. O King, helper, savior, and shield, blessed are you, Hashem, shield of Abraham. That's the first bracha of Shemona Esrei, and that's what's known as the bracha of, of Avos, of patriarchs. Why is it called the bracha of Avos? Well, the obvious answer is because it mentions the Avos. It mentions the Avos. It says the God of Abraham, the God of Yitzchak, and the God of Yaakov. Therefore, it's called uh, the Avas. Now, it's interesting. We don't really talk about the Avas. 
we're not really, and we're not, we're not uh, thanking them. We're not uh, in any way. We're not doing anything with the of us. We're talking to God about the fact that He is there, that He's the the of us is God. So the question is, what is so essential about this bracha that it's the first bracha of Shmona Esrei, and it invokes the forefathers. You're our God. It says that. And then it says the God of Abraham, the God of Yitzhak, the God of Yaakov, and talks about you know, bringing redemption to their descendants. And blessed are you. It closes off with, again, Abraham, the shield of Abraham. So what is it about the Avos? Why, why is that the opening bracha? Why is it called Avos? In what way are we properly serving Hashem by saying that you, God, are the God of Abraham, the God of Yitzhak, and the God of Yaakov. Um, so the answer would be, in a, in a nutshell, that the Avos are the way that I know about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. See, there's a problem here. Think about it. Just imagine for a minute if it's possible. It's almost impossible to, 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 uh, to actually imagine what I'm going to ask you to do. But imagine for a moment, if at all possible, that you had never prayed before in your life. You had never doubted. Um, and then you are aware that uh, you're supposed to daven or that you can daven. Okay? So take a moment to think about it. What would you say first? Okay? What would you say first? What would you do the first time you ever talked to God? Let's make it really graphic. Somebody figured out a way to actually take you to God's palace. And they usher you in. You go through an outer room, an antechamber, whatever it is. And I don't, they, they, they prepare you. And they, uh, you, know, you have to watch a video first because you got to get ready. Whatever it is. Now you're ready. And they say, okay, we're taking you in. And, um, and um, you can say whatever you want to say. Or whatever you think you should say. What would you say first? So Chazal tell us what has to be in your mind if you're going to approach the king of kings. Meaning this is the proper way to serve him. Now, how, what do you mean the proper way to serve him? What does that mean, the proper way to serve him? Why can't I just serve him any way I want? The answer is because service by definition is I want to relate to Hashem the way Hashem says to relate to him. I don't want to relate to Hashem the way I say to relate to him. That would be all about me. I want to relate to Hashem the way Hashem says to relate to him. So how does that work? So Chazal say, here's the deal. The way that Hashem got known to the world is through the Avos, is through the forefathers. The way that you know anything accurate about God is through Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Whatever you don't know from them isn't anything that you should know. It's not true. It's not accurate. Your relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, your awareness of who he is, all comes from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, meaning they blazed the path. Whatever they brought into the world, that's what you need to know in order to be able to serve Hashem properly. If you don't know that, if you're not aware of that, you may be praying and you may be talking to Hashem, but you are not talking to Hashem in the ideal way that says to the creator of the universe, I know who you are. I know who I'm talking to. You may not really know who you're talking to. You'll have some idea. 
that you came up with that may have some level of accuracy and some level of inaccuracy. And therefore, the whole point of the Birchas Ha'avas is that we, first of all, are saying to Hashem, and really to ourselves, I know who I'm talking to. And how do I know? Not because I figured it out, but because I am an inheritor of a tradition that comes from Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And therefore, I am now identifying with their mission. I am including myself in their initiative, in their discovery, in the way that they came to know you, in the way that you allowed yourself to be known through them. That's how I'm knowing you. So Hashem, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you with a lot of knowledge, a lot of awareness, a lot of clarity about who you are, because I am relating to you as the one who became known to the world through Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Another way of putting this, but I think it's important to elaborate, is that the Avos, Hain, Hain, Merkava, Lashchina, the Avos, the forefathers, are the, literally, trans, literally translated, the chariot of the Shekhinah, which means that the Shekhinah, the divine presence of Hashem, moves through this world, through the vehicle known as the forefathers. To the degree that Hashem interacts with this world, to the degree that Hashem is known to this world, it's through the agency of the Avos, who brought him into the world. Without the Avos, he would not be known as who he is to the world. He wouldn't be familiar, he wouldn't be involved, he wouldn't be, human beings wouldn't be dealing with him. So the Avos are actually the, the vehicle, literally the Markava, the vehicle through which Hashem moves around in the world. Therefore, the first thing we have to do is identify to Hashem the fact that we know who we're talking to. Now, why does Hashem need that, so to speak? Why does Hashem need to know that we know who we're talking to? It's not that Hashem um, wants to make sure that we know what his resume is or what his powers are. It's that Hashem has a purpose. The whole idea is that Hashem has a purpose. He has a goal. He has a reason. Hashem is not arbitrary. He has an intention. There's something that's going to happen as a result of his plan. As a creator, by definition, to say that God is a creator of the world is to say that God is a planner of the world. Because nobody creates without intention. And therefore, Kadesh Baruch Hu has a plan. And therefore, what we're saying to him is, we're including ourselves in your plan. We're identifying with you with the mission that you had in mind for the world. And how are we doing that? By recognizing that we know you as the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzhak, and the God of Yaakov. So um, the first bracha, in a certain sense, addresses the, father, the, the famous statement, Da lifnei mi ata'omed. Know before whom you're standing. That's the first thing a person has to do. Now, let's pull back for a minute, because what I just said sounds so reasonable, maybe even sounds a little bit predictable, but it's actually a shock, okay? Why is it a shock? Somebody in your family is, God forbid, very ill. You love them, you're worried about them. You believe in God. You know that you're supposed to daven. You know that Hashem says that he wants you to daven. You come running you, you, you get your Tehillim or you write your own prayer and you stand before Hashem and you start davening. Chazal tell us 
that although there's a, there, there, it's a hundred percent appropriate to spontaneously daven to Hashem, it is also important to make sure that you know who you're talking to. It's important for you first, before you get to what you need, not because it's selfish, but in order to properly daven for what you need, first know that you are part of a plan and all of your needs and all of your challenges are significant insofar as you are part of a plan, of a bigger plan than you think you, you are, you're part of by yourself. So that's the whole point of the Berchus Ha'avos, is the Chazal is saying, you want to daven? I'm giving you a framework. The first thing you have to know is Noah HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. What do you have to know about HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the Avos? But the first thing is you have to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the Avos. So know before whom you stand. Now, um, there's something else here. And this is really something that we don't want to pay attention to because it's a bit overwhelming. We maybe we don't mind discovering more about Hashem. We don't mind finding out how great Hashem is. We don't mind be, focusing and meditating and contemplating and absorbing and realizing and 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 uh, becoming. He uses the term again to becoming present to the reality of Hashem and as the creator of the universe. Okay, that's what God is. But you know what? We don't really want to take responsibility for. Do you know who we really, really don't want to acknowledge? Us. We don't want to own who we are. I wouldn't say we don't want to. We just don't. We don't think about it. We don't own it. I wouldn't say we don't want to. We don't fight it. Uh, we just don't think that's important. And here, Chazal, by establishing this as the opening bracha of Shemona Esrei, are telling us that you are a member of Klal Yisrael. You're not facing Hashem on your own. You're not facing Hashem just as an individual human being on the planet who happens to recognize that there's a creator of the universe and therefore you're addressing the master of the universe. That's not what's happening over here. You're facing Hashem as a member of Klal Yisrael, which means you're facing Hashem as a member of the family that is pursuing and carrying his agenda to the world. When you identify yourself that way, you have access because this now you're identifying with the mission of the world, with Hashem's plan for the world. So there's two things that are, that are happening in this first bracha. One is recognizing Hashem through the discovery of the Avos. We're going to get into that a little bit more, what that discovery is exactly, what the significance of those of the Avos is in terms of identifying and knowing Hashem. But secondly, equally as important, is that you're saying to Hashem, you're not just my God. You're not just Elokeinu. It's Velokeavoseinu. You're the God of our ancestors, which means I am now associating myself with the mission. And therefore, what Chazal is saying is when you want to talk to Hashem, you tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu that I'm here for you. See, the lowest level of tefillah, it's, a, it's not a bad level. It's just not the highest level of tefillah. Is Hashem, you're here for me. I know you're in charge. I need this. 
you need to listen to me. You need to please give me this, or I beg you, please give this. No, you don't need to. I beg you. That's the lowest level. It's a wonderful level. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not the level that we're invited to address Hashem at. The level we're invited to address Hashem at is, I'm here for you. I am your subject. You're not here. I didn't figure out a way to have the world work for me, and that's called davening. And I figured out, you know, Hashem's in charge. If I could just access Him, then I can get things to work the way I want. No, I'm here for you. I'm, I am your subject. And whatever you do or don't do, I'm here for you. And I'm going to get into my needs in a minute, but first I'm going to take the time to remind me of who you are so that when I talk to you, I know who you are and I know what your plan is and I know what your mission is. And then I'm going to take time to know who I am. I was just recently in a conversation, a very interesting conversation. I happened to be, uh, the, the circumstances worked it out that I was standing with an extremely accomplished person actually world famous. Um, and um, uh, yeah, let's, let's leave it at that. An extremely accomplished person. And there was a third party there as well. Third party was somebody who um, is not well known to most people, very quiet person, very humble person, wonderful person, but has not yet had a chance to bring his accomplishments to the world. Let's put it that way. He had no idea that I was talking to an extremely accomplished person. And he, he said, hi, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Joe, what's your name? And the person told him very humbly and appropriately his first name. And he said, um, and he asked him a few very common questions uh, as if he was a, an equal. When most of the world relates to this person as somebody of extreme accomplishment and, and they relate to him with great deference. And uh, it was very interesting just to see the the way that the two interacted because this person of great accomplishment seemed to be a very humble person and was very, very appropriately engaged in the conversation. But I knew that this third party, if he knew who he was talking to, he would have talked to him in a totally different way. It wasn't that it was inappropriate the way he was. It just didn't match who, who he was. So when you actually are present to, aware of, allow yourself to absorb who you're talking to, your whole demeanor changes. And then, by the way, you forget about yourself a lot. You totally forget about yourself when you're really aware of who the other person is. At that moment, you're not dealing with yourself. You're not the issue. Now he's the issue. But the other thing is that when you're aware of who you are and you're aware of your significance in the plan, uh, and when you identify with that, it makes a huge difference. All right. So that, that's, one, that's one of the major goals of the bracha of Avos. Now, it's obvious if you look at this, uh, at the at the engineering uh, of this bracha, it's obvious that this bracha is intended not only to be the opening bracha, but the introductory bracha. Let me explain you why, uh, or what, what the clues are that would help, that help us appreciate that. Because the first thing we say is, as soon as we say, uh, you're our God, and the God of our ancestors, the God of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, um, we um, we then go into uh, we say Hakel the God Hakel is one 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 synonym for God it really means the power Hagadol who is the great one Hagibor the powerful one Bahanora the awesome one 
um, awesome God. So these three adjectives are taken by various authorities as describing uh, different aspects of the Avos, meaning different ways that the Avos made God known in the world. Avraham Avinu made God known in the world as a creator, as the one who was the unifier of the entire world, the source of the entire world, the one who originated everything, the one who therefore, the Kone Hakol, as we get later on in the paragraph, the acquirer of all, the owner of all, which in this what last week's parsha, Rashi says that the reason he's Kone Hakol is because he's Ose Hakol, because by making everything, he owns everything. The maker, the fashioner, by definition, is the one who uh, who is in possession of everything. So Avraham Avinu is the one who helps us understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the Gadol, the great one, um, the one who originated everything, the creator. That's Avraham Avinu who said, is it possible that there's a world without a creator? Is it possible that there is a, a world without a director? Um, his, he came to, through empirical observation to the recognition that everything is functioning um, in harmony, emanating from one source, and that's the Gadol. The gibar is um, is the attribute of Yitzchak. Yitzchak is known as the as uh, the attribute of gevura, which uh, it would be self control, but more than self control, ultimate control, meaning the ability to um, own one's nature, and that also refers to a kaddish baruch Hu, because a kaddish baruch Hu, uh, in the bracha of Gavuros, the second bracha coming up, in that bracha we actually talk about a Kaddish Baruch Hu is Mechayei HaMesim, which brings life to the dead, which is counterintuitive because dead usually seem to be going in one direction. And a Kaddish Baruch Hu is the all-powerful and is all the all involved in every aspect, and therefore he can bring life to the dead, he can heal the sick. Things that are going in one direction, a Kaddish Baruch Hu can turn around and go entirely in the opposite direction because he's the all-powerful. But that's Yitzchak. And the Hanora, the awesome one, that's Yaakov. Yaakov who wakes up uh, at, uh, after the, the, the latter dream and says, How awesome is this place. This is the house of God. Yaakov is able to foretell the presence of the Shekhinah in this world. And, uh, this, is, and this is the third bracha of Shemun Esrei, which is the bracha that says, Awe, Nora, and Kedusha are very much, are intimately involved. We're not going to get into that now. That's for the, that's two sessions away. That's, uh, uh, I'm going to leave that for the, for whoever does the third, the third one. I think it's Robinson Sipara Heller. Um, but either way, this first bracha, Hakel Hagadol, Hagibor Bahanara, this already developing Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, even though, the first bracha is going to close with Avraham. The first bracha is really Avraham's bracha. And Avraham's bracha is what? Is the bracha that says that you are the creator of everything. So why are they getting to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov if it's the opening bracha? So number one is because it's, like I say, it's the introduction. Everything is going to be included in that first bracha in kind of a distilled form, in a form that almost, it's almost like the DNA of the, of the Holshmanesser is in there, not meant to be brought out yet, but it's all latent in there, and it'll be it'll be teased out throughout the Shemun Esrei. But more than that, 
God as creator doesn't finish his creation until he finishes developing Klal Yisrael. And therefore, when we're going to acknowledge God as the creator of the universe, we can't acknowledge him fully until we acknowledge him as the creator of the epitome of humanity, which is Klal Yisrael, which means that we have to talk about him as the God of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, after which we now have a Klal Yisrael, because the Avos are only three. After Yaakov, there is in the world Klal Yisrael. Yisrael. Yaakov becomes Yisrael. And at that point, the Jewish people is here. And as a people, the world is now complete. All the ingredients of the world necessary for world history to play out to its ultimate destiny are in place. And therefore, as the morale explains in a couple of places, the emergence of Klal Yisrael is the completion of Breshis. It's the completion of creation. So therefore, in this first bracha, we're going through all the avos because the process of the avos is the process of the development of Klai Yisrael, which is a description of God as creator of the world because his creation of the physical universe is not the only act of creativity that he is known for. He's actually known for creating toldos ha'adam, the whole um, development and chronicles of man. And that's not complete until he... Uh, creates a Klai Yisrael. So um, that leads us to another important piece that helps us appreciate what's going on here in this first bracha. The, um, the Gemara and Megillah, Gemara and Megillah, Daf Zion, 17a, actually. The Gemara there says, how do we know that we're supposed to say a bracha called Avos and a bracha called Gevuros and a bracha called um, called Kedusha, how do we know that we're supposed to say these three blessings as introductions, as openings to the Shemana Esrei? So the Gemara says, based on the passage that we say, we actually take the passage from Tehillim, and we say it when we're putting the Torah back in the Aron Kodesh on Shabbos. So let's, look at, let's look at the Art Scroll Sitter for a second. If you have it in front of you, I should have mentioned this earlier. If you don't have it in front of you, kind of funny for me to be talking about the sitter and not encourage you to have a sitter in front of you. But Art Scroll, page 400, and here we go. Board. Here it is, page page 458, which is Psalm 29, Tehillim Chavtes. So it says, Mizmar David, a psalm for David, Havu Lashem B'nei Elim, um, is a different way of translating it. I see that our school says, Ascribe for Hashem, you sons of the powerful. Okay. And then it says, Havul Hashem Kavav Oz, Ascribe for Hashem honor and might. Then it says, Havul Hashem Kavod Shemo, Ascribe for Hashem the honor due his name. So the Gemara says, Havul Hashem B'nai Elim, give forth or ascribe for Hashem, sons of the powerful. That means refer to when you praise Hashem, Havul Hashem, when you're giving praise to Hashem, when you're giving over to Hashem, do it as B'nai Elim, as the children of the powerful, says the Gemara that refers to the Avos. So that's the first bracha. David HaMelech here is setting down a pattern, an order, a sequence by which a person or Jewish people are supposed to praise Hashem. So first of all, Havul Hashem B'nai Elim, do it as children of the strong ones. 
because Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were the ones who were able to persevere and they were able to assert themselves and they were able to develop themselves in the face of all kinds of uh, challenges uh, in the name of Hashem. So that's the first one. Havel Hashem Kavad Va'oz. Give forth to Hashem, ascribe to Hashem Kavad Va'oz through uh, honor and might. That's Gevura. That's power. That's Yitzchak, says the Gemara. And finally, Kavod Shemo, the glory of his name, uh, the honor due his name, that's Yaakov. That's Kedusha. That's the third bracha. So we have Avom Yitzchak and Yaakov. The Avos are represented here in these um, in this Pasuk. And that's why the first bracha Shman Esrei is of us, because Havel Hashem B'nai Elim. Give forth to Hashem, O children of Elim. Another way of saying, another way of putting this, or an even better way of putting this, and Masha says this, among other people, Havel Hashem B'nai Elim, give yourselves as B'nai Elim to Hashem. So when you're, when you're opening up Shman Esrei, we're saying to Hashem, you're our God and you're the God of our ancestors. Therefore, I am worshiping you in that context. I'm worshiping you as a descendant of our ancestors. And that's how we're supposed to worship HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we said before, identifying with their mission. Now, notice first that it says Elokeinu. Blessed are you, Hashem, Elokeinu, our God. After all that I just said, how important it is to identify with the Avos, why do we say our God? So I believe that Chazal are telegraphing something very important here, and this is really important for us to get. Prayer is personal. It's absolutely personal. Therefore, you must say Elokeinu, our God. Then, immediately, you want to know how to pray, you've got to go and go back to the Avos. Because you've got to go, you have to know how to notice God. How is God brought into the world? How does God want to be known in the world? And that's going to be through the Avos. So first, Elokeinu, our God, I'm here talking to you, and I'm an individual, and this davening is going to be my davening, and nobody else is going to daven the way I'm davening now. It's me, it's unique, and you hear me, and you're our God, personal. And Elokeinu, and the God of our ancestors, the God of Avraham. Why does it say the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzhak, the God of Yaakov? Why doesn't it just say the God of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? Same kind of idea. Avraham discovered a Kaddish Baruch Hu in a unique way, helped the world become aware of a Kaddish Baruch Hu in a certain way. Yitzhak developed and helped present to the world a different aspect of awareness of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that the world didn't have yet. And Yaakov brought to the world a different aspect of awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that the world did not have yet. And therefore, we don't just say the God of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, but the God, meaning the God as known to Avraham, the God as known to Yitzhak, and the God as known to Yaakov. And then we go and we say, in a certain sense, we now list what are the things that were brought into the world through Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Hakel, the God, why we use that word Hakel, it's for another discussion, it needs to be noted. Why we don't say a, a different word for that, for, for God, there are many different words, but Hakel, the powerful one, who is Hagadol, the great one. The Zohar says that the, that Gadol is uh, known mostly through his chesed, through his loving kindness, through his taking care of things. And that's Avram Avinu, who is the Mida of chesed. Avram Avinu uh, uh, personifies the attribute of loving kindness, because, not 
uh, not that it's not a coincidence, because Avraham Avinu is the one who discovers Hashem, and that Hashem created the world and has a purpose, and Hashem's existence is, by definition, in order to present goodness and take care of the world. That's all included in God as the Creator. That's God as the Gadol. Hagibor, the one who is uh, involved in the world now. Gadol is gracious. Gadol uh, is, uh, is creation. God started the world. God's the master of the world. Hagibor, God is, is the all-powerful one, the one who now is involved. We see through all kinds of evidence that God is still involved in the world. That's what Yitzchak personifies. That's why Yitzchak um, is the one who personifies Chiyas HaMesim, because Yitzchak is the one who brings out into the world the whole idea that there is no status, there's no predictable direction, there's no end. There's all, there's all there is is Hashem running the world. And, and therefore, through connection to Hashem, there's tremendous unlimited power, both over, over mastery of self, but over all the trends in the world, all physical forces in the world. The Kaddish Baruch was the creator of all those things. And he's involved now. He wasn't just involved when he created the world, but he's involved now. But Hanora, the awesome one, the one who therefore will be known, in the end of days, there's a destiny, there's a goal here, there's a purpose. God will be known at that ultimate time when his full existence will be revealed to the world, and therefore that's what we're working towards. That's what Yaakov Avinu ultimately uh, presents, is that there's a destiny. That's why Yaakov Avinu is the one who's given the latter dream, because he's able to see the end of the final exile, and he's able to see that the, the final Beis HaMikdash being built there, the, the final place where the Shechina is going to reside, where the whole world is going to be able to recognize the Kaddish Baruch Hu. So all of that is, is what's happening here as we come to Davin to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, El Elyon, the God of the upper world, the God, of, the God who, is, who is lofty, uh, the supreme God, and yet Gomel Chasadim Tovim, Meaning that he he comes from a from a realm that we can't even imagine, the upper world, uh, that he created. By the way, not that he lives in it. He created the upper world, but he's a god of who's a master of Elyon, of everything up there, all spiritual beings. But yet he's a Gomel Chasadim Tovim. He causes and provides um, loving kindness which means that he's involved in our lives. He's involved in our world. Vikone hakol. And he uh, owns or acquires, um, uh, how, do they, how does our school translate it? it was, uh, they say creates everything. Very interesting. They're not inaccurate. The word kone means owns. But the reason our school translates it as creates is because um, the uh, his act of creation is what, legitimizes the fact, what makes it true, that he owns everything. So therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Gomel Chasadim Tovim. Now, why do we say Gomel Chasadim Tovim? Why good Chasadim? Do you ever hear of a Chasad that's not good? The answer is yes. There are a lot of Chasad that's not good. We don't like Chasad that's not good because we think it's not good. Sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu does Chasadim that are Tovim, that are good, but we don't appreciate them. So, Gamel Chasadim Tovim, the idea is that they, these are ultimately good things. Everything that Kosh Baruch Hu does is ultimately for our good. V'zocher Chasdei Avos, 
and he remembers the chesed. What does it mean, the chesed of the avos? It means the schus, the merit of the avos, which means that we, right now, we might not deserve whatever it is we need. We might not even deserve redemption, but a Kodesh Baruch Hu remembers the chesed of the avos, and since we are invoking the avos, therefore he relates to us as the manifestation of the avos. We are the avos. It's an amazing thing what, what Chazal is telling us over here. Do not take yourself lightly and do not absent yourself from the mission. When you come to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you are identifying with the mission of Klal Yisrael. You are Avraham, you are Yitzchak, you are Yaakov. When you're standing before a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that's what Hashem is relating to you. So Zocher has Avos, he remembers the chesed of the Avos, meaning the, the merit of the forefathers who brought Hashem into the world. Therefore, he knows that you, uh, the davener, the person who's standing before Kodesh Baruch Hu and davening, is part of that whole thing. brings redemption to their descendants. Why? Because that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the Avos in the first place. The for his name's sake, because that's the point of the Avos, for to make Hashem known in the world. In love. What does that mean with love? So uh, there are many different explanations, but the easiest one is that he's reciprocating to the love that Avram Avinu showed HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Avram Ohavi, as the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, uh, in Yermia, Avram, my, the, my lover, the one who loved me, which means that ultimately the Mesiras Nefesh, the sacrifice that Avram Avinu showed was an expression of his love and devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we are identifying with that, as we said before, we're identifying with the whole personality of Avram Avinu and the whole mission that he founded. And therefore, Kadesh Baruch Hu will bring redemption to Avraham Avinu's descendants for his name's sake, the Ahava, in love. Or the Ahava can mean that there are different ways that the redemption can come. And Kadesh Baruch Hu is going to do it in a way that is loving as opposed to a way that will cause more pain. And then we close, Melech Ozeru Mashiach Omagain. So this is very interesting. There's a Pasuk that one of the last things that, a Kodesh, that Moshe Rabbeinu said about uh, before he dies, one of the last things he says in his bracha of the Jewish people, he says, Am Noshab Hashem, a nation saved by Hashem, Magain Ezrecha, who is the, your shield, your helper. So in that sentence, in that phrase that Moshe Rabbeinu uses to describe Klai Yisrael, he has the word, he has Mashiach, right? Am Nosha Bashem, Magain, and Ezrecha, the Ozer. And therefore, we see different aspects of a, of a, of a Kaddish Baruch Hu intervening with us. Ozer, the Mepharshim say that Ozer is uh, when you help somebody uh, uh, who is also helping themselves. In other words, when you reach down, somebody is drowning and he's trying to get out and he's still able to, uh, to participate in his own rescue. That's Ozer. Uh, Mashiach is a savior, is when you actually rescue somebody who's not able to save himself at all. Uh, there are different times when Klai Israel is in different predicaments. And a mugain is a shield. It's a protector before the tzara gets there, before the, before the suffering gets there. So there's Melech Ozer, Mashiach, Umagain. And finally, we close, Baruch Hashem, again, Avraham, blessed are you, uh, who is the shield of Avraham. 
first of all, we close with Avraham. As the Medrash says, when Hashem said to Avraham Avinu that uh, um, uh, uh, I will make you great and I will bless you. So Kadosh Baruch Hu says there, according to the Medrash, meaning there's going to be a whole chain of events that you're going to cause. There's going to be a Yitzchak, there's going to be a Yaakov, there's going to be a Klai Yisrael. At the end of the day, it's going to be because in your merit that we're going to close the first bracha. What does that mean? So I heard an interpretation from Moshe Shapiro that at the end of the day, what's going to bring redemption to Klai Yisrael is acts of chesed. We, have, we may f- be straying so far from a Kadosh Baruch Hu in terms of knowing him, in terms of fulfilling his mitzvahs, but we're still going to be people who are involved in acts of chesed. And ultimately, Avram Avinu uh, discovered a Kadosh Baruch Hu and reflected his presence in the world through acts of chesed. And therefore, Bacha Chosman, we're going to close the first bracha, we're going to close really the whole chain of the whole development of human history. We're going to close with Avraham Avinu, his midah of chesed itself. So this is the introduction of Shemona Esrei. The point is a, a couple of things, and we're going to close right now. We're running a drop late. First of all, we want to we want to appreciate that uh, the the first bracha is actually designed to take us out of the doldrums. We come to Davon to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and the first thing is we have to wake up and recognize all this that we just went through. Now. Here's the question. Okay, I did that already. I did that 20 years ago. I did that 21 years ago. I did that 19 years ago. I did that 18 years ago. I did that yesterday. I did that today. So here's the answer that I think is really important for us to, to, to absorb. Not only, it's not true that davening repeats itself. It's not true that davening asks us to say things that we already said. It's true that we ourselves can't stay focused on reality for more than 20 seconds. The whole point of Shemana Esrei is, in between davening, you started thinking you're in charge. In between davening, you started thinking that you accomplished what you accomplished. In between davening, you started scheming at how you can make things happen the way you want. Every single time you open up a sitter to daven, you've got to remember that you're not God. Believe it or not. Now, nobody ever says they're God. We just act consistent with the idea that we're in charge. And the whole point of davening is not to repeat some words. The whole point of davening is to keep us awake to a reality that we are not comfortable with. We're not comfortable with the idea that we're not in charge because we want to be in charge. And we're not comfortable with the idea that with all the power and wisdom and insight and personality and wealth and other resources that we're given, that we really can't control our lives. And therefore, we do whatever we can to ignore the reality that we can't control our lives. Comes from an esrei, says, <coughs> Jew, wake up. You're standing before a Kaddish Baruch Hu. There's a job here. <coughs> There's a mission that's going to be accomplished. The Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to bring human history to a certain combination, one way or another. And you are not here just as an individual. You're here as a member of Klai Yisrael. And therefore, Shemana Esrei is a wake-up call. And we need a wake-up call. You know, here in Shul, many Shuls, we dive a Mincha and Ma'ariv back-to-back. 
So we have a mincha, Ashrei, Shmon Esrei, repetition, Shmon Esrei, <coughs> Oleinu. <coughs> as soon as the mincha is over, we learn for a few minutes, or we don't learn for a few minutes, and then we go straight into Ma'arif. Seven, eight minutes later, we're standing up again, we're davening Shmon Esrei. Now we're davening Ma'arif. Wait, what you, I just offered this davening a few minutes ago. The answer is, that's right. And in between, you forgot that you're not in charge. In between, you started imagining again what you're going to do, what you're going to take care of, what you accomplished, what you're worried about, and you and you forgot. They're, they're, you literally have to turn it over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu over and over again in a repeated way. So there's no davening that's a repeat of anything else. It's actually a ever-present reality that we're doing. Um, one more thing before we close, and that is that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are also, as the Gemara explains in Barachos, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov uh, established different davenings. It can be said that the first bracha of Shemona Esrei is actually um, offering a shachris, mincha, and marav modality for us to catch on to, because we're going to be davening three times a day. And therefore, <coughs> the God of Avraham, that's the shacharis modality. That's the beginning of a day. That's creation. That's the brightness of a sunrise. That's the hopefulness of a whole day in front of me of accomplishment. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu re- refreshing nature every single, every single day. God makes the world brand new every single day. That's the God of Avraham. That's the Avraham established shacharis. Then the Gemara says Yitzchak established Mincha. It says Yitzchak went out to the field towards the evening to pray. The Rashbam there says that Yitzhak went out to check on his workers to see what they had accomplished in the field. The idea being that Yitzhak went out to pray, he went out to reflect the reality that whatever a person accomplishes through the struggles of the day, they're not his own. Whatever he didn't accomplish, that's also not his own. It's all in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mincha is the prayer that you offer after you've been through a day and you have successes and you have failures, both of which a person needs to offer a davening to a Kaddish Baruch Hu to recognize it. So the Shacharis is the prayer of optimism, the prayer of a whole day ahead of you and, 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 and asking a Kaddish Baruch Hu to give me the power and recognizing a Kaddish Baruch Hu as the, uh, as the author who creates a brand new world, the bright sunshine. Mincha Yitzchak is the prayer where the day has already developed, things have gone okay, and you're taking too much credit, or they haven't gone okay, and you're taking too much blame, and you're forgetting that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is involved. And then Yaakov Avinu is the the one who established Mairav. That's Yaakov, Vayifka Bamakom, Yaakov at night, Yaakov alone, Yaakov vulnerable, Yaakov needing protection, Yaakov um, uh, having uh, being exposed to the elements. And here we come at night, and nighttime symbolizes all that vulnerability, and we need Shmira. And so Yaakov Avinu establishes Mairav, where we, where we recognize that we need the protection of a Kaddosh Baruch Hu. So therefore, the, the Shman Esrei is giving us, really, three modalities of davening. The introduction, the introductory bracha Shman Esrei is really designed to say, this is part of a set. You need to daven in the morning, you need to daven in the afternoon, you need to daven at night. You need to daven not just in the morning. But with morning attitude, you need to daven with afternoon attitude, and you need to daven with nighttime attitude. There are different modalities of relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and all of them are necessary. And therefore, we have Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, who established Shachris, Mincha, and Marev. They didn't just decide that you're supposed to daven an extra davening. They established a different way of relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, each one adding a different dimension 
to our full relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. So this is some of the introduction to Shmona Esrei. This is the first Baruch Hu Shmona Esrei. And Mirz Hashem, we're, next year we're going to hear from Rabbi Lef. A wonderful privilege to be able to hear from him. And um, Rabbi Foxbunner has arranged a tremendous lineup of presenters over the coming weeks. Uh, and uh, he and I will be uh, providing some, not backup, but some summaries towards the end of each of the sessions. And we're looking forward to seeing you again and again. And uh, if you have questions on anything that was said now, please submit.